Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. And leaning into today's message, it is the culmination. It is the end. We're wrapping up, tying a bow on our series called Go. We'd say every year, but it's actually G-O-N-D. And so G standing for generosity. Two weeks ago, we spent time talking about and showing you things that were possible because of the generosity of God's people because we serve a generous God. Amen? You know, I heard somebody say this one time. It was, I'm not really sure if this fits the category specifically, but an oxymoron is a generous God and not generous God's people. It just doesn't make sense. And so we spent time talking about that generosity is not even about your income. It's about your heart. And so I want to encourage you to go back and celebrate all the amazing things that God did through the faithfulness and obedience of his people through generosity. And then last week we talked about opportunity and so how generosity plus opportunity, being a servant, taking the times around us and what's available and things that God is leading us into. And in fact, if you weren't here last week also, I'd encourage you to go back because we shared some things we felt that God put in our heart coming up and some things we'd been believing God for a while and still believing God for and see how God would move and work in you. If one of those things resonated within you, then please contact us. You can do that through the Welcome Center. You can email us. And we've already got great responses for people that, that God had put things on their heart and wanting to get involved in serving and some things that we have coming up with skill sets and education and understanding and ability that which we, we value, we need, we appreciate. And so you can do that as well. And then when you take generosity plus opportunity and you put those together, you actually are walking in and fulfilling the plan and purpose that God has for your life. You're fulfilling your destiny. And we believe that. It, it doesn't just happen. God gave you the ability through generosity and then he provided the opportunity to pair them together so you walk out his plan for your life. And so that's what we want to talk about a little bit today. And I, I'm going to be honest with you getting into this today. It's different than any of the ones I've done in the past. We, we do this every year. The reason why, it just seems like this year is different. Now, we talked about it coming into this year. We talked about it in 21 Days of Prayer. And I don't know how to say it. It's a new year, obviously, but I believe God's doing something more. And he's calling us to something more. And what we've been doing in experience has been amazing, but we can't stop. We can't settle there. We can't camp out. We celebrated. We enjoy that. But God's calling us on to even more, I believe. And I hope I'm able to convey that this morning with my heart. But I, but I, but I want you to know that this could be your best year ever. I mean, I believe it'll be the best year ever if you give yourself to generosity and take advantage of opportunity. I believe God is calling Tree of Life Church in this season to something more. And can I just say, 175 men at a men's breakfast on Saturday? I mean, I, we're going to tell the ladies, plan for like 300, 500, I don't know, right? We're just believing God at another level, I believe, than what we've been experiencing. So today... I want to start by sharing a passage of scripture with you when it comes to destiny, Proverbs 11.30. Proverbs 11.30 is the scripture where the name tree of life comes from. I don't know if you knew that. I'll explain it in just a moment. But it seems like, you know, when we think of tree of life, we think of the garden, right? The, the tree that was in the midst of the garden, the tree of life. You, you can, you know, eat from it, partake of that. Or, but we see it in other parts in Revelation. We see that the tree is on both sides of the river and the tree of life. 
But really it came as it rose up and my parents founded the church in their heart as this church was being established from this scripture. So let me read that to you. Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. The fruit of the righteous, producing fruit. We talked about that a few weeks ago, but producing fruit, allowing the gardener to come in and, and help you produce the fruit of your life, the fruit of the spirit, how you live your life. What, what is your life producing? What is, what is your life projecting to other people? And it should be such that it's attractive that other people will want what you have. So the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Your life speaks. Your life is a living epistle, the Bible says, to be read of all men. Your life is a sermon, if you will, walking around in the midst of everywhere you go. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Interesting pairing. In other words, here's what we go and here's what we interpret that. How you live your life will be attractive to other people. They'll want what you have and give their life to Christ. And, and yes, but this scripture landed on me so different this year. I mean, I don't even know how I'll attempt to explain it to you, but, but how it landed on me, it just, I've read it. I, you, can you imagine I've read the founding scripture? Or whatever. I can't tell you how many times I've read it, but something is different about it this year for me. And I began to see, and aren't you glad that the word is alive? And when you get in the Bible, you can read the same scripture over and over, and the Holy Spirit just brings some, the word is alive. Come on, it's not like any other written thing, right? It's not like any other thing that's been written. That's why, that's why you got to be in the word all the time. And that's why even, well, I've heard that scripture, always preaching that scripture, I've heard it before. Oh, no, no, let the Holy Spirit speak to you through that. And I was reading the scripture, and really what it spoke to me, it spoke to me, um, it spoke to me about getting out there. Because if we understand the scripture and how I live, it's, it's great to live your life like Jesus in here. It's easy to live your life like Jesus in here, right? I mean, and wouldn't it be great out there that you'd have like Pastor Cody follow you around and sing worship songs to you all day? That would be wonderful. And you can talk to him. I don't know if he's already booked. First service probably did. But the idea of that whole scripture to me is not what happens in here. It's what happens out there. And for the first time, it's like this revelation thing came and was inspiring me, motivating me, convicting me to a point to make sure that tree of life, we're not just celebrating what happens in here, but we're taking this out there in our world and living our life in a way that will attract people to what God has. Now, having said that, in just a few minutes on in my message, I'll explain the other half of that scripture in light of what I feel like God spoke to me. But I want you to know this morning that it's amazing what God has done in and through this church, but I believe he's calling us something beyond this church, outside this church. I, I believe that what we'll see and experience here is amazing and great, but it's only a piece, it's only a portion of what he wants us to experience in and through him out there. 57% of people are never, are never gonna go to church. Shocking. 57, that might even be small. 57, true, there might be, a, it might be a higher number. 57% of people will never go to church in the world we live in today. And I don't think it's cool, we're not closing the gap any at all, but I think, what do you mean they'll never go to church? Well, what part of you never go to church do you not understand, right? They're, they're just never gonna come. They're gonna drive by this place and never give it a thought. They're gonna experience something in their life, a tragedy, a crisis, a need, and they're never gonna think about, oh, I should go to church. There's people that are gonna experience something they're never gonna think about, oh, I should go see a pastor, I should connect in a small group, I should have somebody pray for me. The reality is that 57% of the people of the day don't care about church. And, and they don't care and they don't know. They, they don't know. And when you and I have the opportunity 
to be the church, not just in here, but out there, to go where they are. And this has been rolling around in me, and, and I got to say, it was like this moment of us light coming on and thinking this next year, our destiny is not to be a tree of life in here, it's to be a tree of life out there in a greater measure. And, and, and many people even drive by this campus, and you've done it before, before you ever came here, many people drive by this campus, and they don't even know what this building is. That's like, a, is that like an airplane hangar? What is that, right? Is that... Is that a big tent? Is that like a circus thing? You guys got a circus going on there, all right? And I would say to you today, hi, my name's Don, and I'll be your ringmaster this morning, and <laughs> send in the clowns. No, they're already here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> kind of. And uh, so it's like, <laughs> it's, they were all in first service. They got saved, by the way. Um, <laughs> but 57% of people don't even care. They drive by, they, right? They don't, they don't care. They don't give it another thought, and the truth is, the truth is, we are not good enough, smart enough, nice enough, friendly enough for them to come. And we have an amazing campus, and we're, we're, we're really blessed, by the way. We are. But even this campus is not nice enough, cool enough, holy enough, sacred enough, casual enough, formal enough, big enough, small enough for them to come. It's just not. We're just not. It's just not. They're not coming to church, 57%. And now, I love that there's 43% but we just can't be content there. Amen. I'm thankful for the 43%. We celebrate the 43%, but we just can't live there. Yeah. Well, we gotta love the 57%. Amen. And we gotta have a burden for that and for them. Uh, so here's a question I was pondering. I'm, I'm really basically, can I say, I don't know if this is a sermon as much as me just processing what God's been having rolling around in my heart. So here's a question I'm pondering. Are we called to this church, or are we called to this community through this church? Because if we think we're just called to this church and that's the end game, no. No. We are called to this community, and how God does it is through the church. There's a calling greater than what we experience if we just come here. If we just come and go here, there's so much more. And really, you've stopped short of what your ultimate calling is because your calling is to our communities and to the world. But he'll use us together as the body gives talents, abilities, pooling our resources, our generosity, and our opportunities to reach our communities and beyond. So if you, if you think you're just called to this church, and, and this is terrible, you're a pastor, what do you, what do you say? Then you stop short of your ultimate calling. We're called to the 57%. Can I say that? Amen. And God will work through the church. In fact, God calls the church the storehouse. And he puts storehouses in communities. Because everything a storehouse has with people and resource and generosity then can reach the 57%. And so he wants to put a storehouse in every community because that's how God's going to work and, and through people. That's how he gets people together to give and serve and pool ourselves in resources. We're, we're stronger together. We're, we can do more with each other than we can by ourselves. And that's how God works. And whatever is needed that we can work that through together, but our calling is the community into the 57%. My question then is also this, and are, are we more excited and passionate about the lost people here today than we are about the lost people out there today? Because then we can just kind of get self-focused. 
And, and, that's, and that's not where we're to be. We celebrate the lost people that come in every week. We see people give their heart to Jesus and we're so grateful and thankful for that. We had a few men at the men's breakfast and all kinds of things happen. And every time we meet, everything we do is about people coming to Christ. But it's not just about people coming to Christ in here because the fruit of the righteous being lived out there is a tree of life. It's interesting because what I think sometimes we forget and people don't understand is you know, heaven's real and hell's real too. There's a real heaven, there's a real hell. And unless we mobilize our generosity, unless we maximize our opportunities and go into their world and connect with them relationally, we'll never bring them into the kingdom. So generosity to be mobilized, opportunity to be maximized so we can fulfill our destiny by going to them relationally and bringing them into the kingdom. When my wife and I years ago, and we have two daughters, as you know, and, and uh, first service, I was going to tell the story and tell it again. I looked at my wife. She's shaking her head no, because my kids hate being sermon illustrations, but they're my best material. I mean, what are my, my, I just watch them all the time looking for sermon. That's a good sermon illustration right there. But when they were younger, when they were kids, we had Schlitterbahn passes. And, and so we were in Schlitterbahn one day, or actually my wife and the kids were, and I think my sister and her family came down, and I was at the office and working. And all of a sudden, uh, the phone rang in the front office, and my assistant at the time, I could hear her talking. It was just me on the phone. And, and she's like, well, hold on, hold on. No, slow down a second. No, take a deep breath. And no, take a deep breath. And I knew something was wrong. And so when I took the call, my wife's on the other end, and I'm like, well, hold on, honey, just slow down for a minute. Hold on, hold on, take a deep breath. What's, tell me what's happened. And she goes, I can't find Callie. She's missing. I'm like, what do you mean, what, what, what do you, mean you can't find Callie? She's just wandered off, and, and there's, she's nowhere. We've looked everywhere. We can't find her anywhere. And in that moment, panic hit me. I mean, because all the things of a father, I'm thinking, well, what happened to my daughter? And I'm thinking the terrible things that could happen in that moment, the terrible things with my, my daughter's gone, and, a, and I'm a torn between the emotion of fear and worry and, and then trying to figure out how, how, can we, how, how can we make this search thing happen or whatever. And, and so my wife then, she speaks to a, a lifeguard, and, and she let her, I, don't, I don't know what their policy is now or how it works now, but they shut the, they shut the property down the the resort down, whatever. They, they let people come in, but they don't let anybody leave. And so all of them are on alert, right? There's people looking. She has to give a description. And in her fear, and they could see on her face, this couple, this older couple came up to her and said, sweetheart, is everything okay? And she's like, I can't find my daughter. Well, what does she look like? And so she begins to describe Callie. And this couple so lovingly looked and took of their time to look and try and find Callie. And eventually uh, Callie was found and never allowed to Schlitterbahn again. She can go now. She's 24. She can do what she wants now. <laughs> and in that moment, can I tell you, I thought, my lost daughter needs to be found. I never for one second thought, well, thank God we had two because now we had a spare. We were so smart. <laughs> oh, well, well, good thing we had a spare. <laughs> no, we, we, did, we, we did anything. Have you ever been at the store, like the clothing store, and your, your kid gets in that clothing rack and thinks it's funny? And can't find them, and they're in the clothing rack hiding from you? Yeah. That moment, and then I thought, in context of today, I thought, what about the heart of the Heavenly Father? See, because everybody is his kids. It's just some are lost and some are found. 
right? I mean, the 57% that don't go to church are still his kids. They're just maybe lost kids. And I thought, what about the heart of the father? Because I know in that moment, my heart was just broke. I was, what about the terrible thing? But he's seeing it every single, and he's seeing it. And then I thought about, what about that sweet couple that, that told my wife, you know, here, let me help you. And how, we don't even know them and never saw them again. But how grateful were we for them to take their time and help find the lost kid? And I thought, that's the picture. We got to help them find the 57%. This is great, and I love this. And I love this. But this isn't all there is. This is 57% that we need to help the father find his lost kids. Proverbs 11.30 lands on me different now. Being a tree of life is not what we do in here. It's what we do out there. I want you to hear my heart in this and what I'm about to say. We've made evangelism easy. And, and what I mean by that is we just invite people to church. And that's a good thing. Don't, don't hear me wrong in this. But that's only part of it. Uh, so we'll go invite people and we'll invite people to church and then we'll let the church take care of them. And I get that. And, and can I say, forgive me for saying it this, that, this way. I have stood up here in times past and I've said, just invite him to church. Just invite him here and we'll take care of the rest. That's not what God's asking. God's asking each one of us to use our life and our story to reach people. Absolutely invite him into church, but that's a part of it. That's not the only thing about that. And to stand here and say, just invite him to church and we'll take care of it. It's not the entirety of what God's wanting to do in and through you. So we have made evangelism different than what God always intended. God always intended you and I to use our life story and the difference he's made in us to share and live in a way the fruit of the righteous to be a tree of life to attract people to the gospel. So people will want what we have. But off, all we do is just invite people to church and we've missed the sharing. Then we've missed the sharing of the greatest story ever told. And I wanna say this very carefully because the greatest story ever told might not be what you think. I know the greatest story I've ever told, that's the story of Jesus. No, it's not. It's the story of what Jesus did in you. Your story is the greatest story ever told. Because the truth is, the people in your circle of relationships that are the part of the 57%, they may not even know or care who Jesus is, but they know who you are. We live in a culture and society that you can't hardly even mention Jesus. We, we have a whole generation of, of young people now that may not have ever heard the name of Jesus. We think, for, we think in some way that's only over in the foreign field. No, that's right here. That's right here. So when you say Jesus, they may not give a, 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 they may not give a thought to it. They, they may have been raised differently. But when you tell them about your story and what Jesus did in you, oh, well, that's different because I say, I know you. I know you. Well, tell me more of that. Because what they want to know is what he did for you, will he do it for them? And all that happens out there. All that happens in your everyday life, everywhere you are. If all we do is invite people to church, then we've lost our evangelism heart, we've lost our evangelism skills, and we've made it easy for us 
and harder for them. Because 57% are never going to come here. That's why we go there. We're going to the world. So we all need to tell others about the hope that is in us, not just invite them to church. And, and please don't hear that it's wrong. We're going to really be pushing you for this next month all the way up to March 31st and invite anybody and everybody you can here. But that's not the only part of that. If you do it through your story, there's more of a chance of them coming. My, uh, early on, I was leading a team to Peru. It's not always easy, right, to just I'm not just talking about cold evangelism. Some of you are great evangelists and you can walk up to a group of people and just start sharing Jesus. Some of you can go and, and go on the street and go to Landa Park and do that. I can't, I don't know why I can't. I just freeze up in moments like that. You can put me on a stage like in Pakistan with 80,000 to 100,000 people, no problem. I'll preach the gospel and give an altar call. I, I'll do that all day long. But there's just something that's, for me, it's like, ah, I avoid it. I remember as a missions pastor years ago here at Tree of Life, we had one of my dad's closest friends had a big ministry in Peru. And we would take teams down there. We had someone shout out, was it the same person? Are you in two services? I like, all right, great, double count, that's awesome. And uh, <laughs> our numbers just went up. And uh, so we were, we were down there and um, we took a team and we were evangelizing. There's this big like public square in this mount, city in the mountains of Peru. And uh, we split the team up into groups. We had translators, interpreters, and we said, okay, you guys go out and just start sharing the gospel. I mean, ask if you can pray for somebody and just start sharing the gospel. And I was with uh, the, the head of the ministry, his son. We were the same age. We were good friends. We were in Bible school together. And so we we're just hanging out, you know, and I had the video camera. And I'm the guy that's like, now nah, I got to get video to take back the report. And he's like, hey man, let's go talk to some people. And I'm like, no, let's go shoot video. And he goes, no, let's go. Don't you think you should do this? And maybe they should see you doing this. And I said, you know what I think? I think you should be quiet right now. Because <laughs> that's the most intimidating thing for me. And I admire and respect those that can just go do it, like nothing. That's hard for me. And so we went up to a group of people and he's looking around and he finds this, I mean, intentionally they found the roughest, toughest, most unlikely people to even listen to the gospel, much less give you the time of day. There's like 10 or 12 men, rough, tough looking men. He goes, here, let's go to this group. And so we walk up and I'm like, well, hold on a second. And he says, listen, if you get stuck and you freeze, just say Mary had a little lamb and I'll just fill it in. Because they're not going to know your English anyways. I'm like, okay. So we walk up to this group of people and I just say, hey guys. I said, my name's Don. I'm from Texas. And I just, I came to share something with you today. And he translated it. And then I looked at him and I said, Mary had a little lamb. I don't know what he said, but I know he didn't say Mary, because I know no Spanish. That's Maria. I know, right? We're like, I don't know. Fluent. And, uh, and then, so he, he said whatever he said. And then I said, her fleece was white as snow. I promise you, I did the whole, nur I didn't even know I knew the nursery rhyme. Scriptures don't come to my mind all the time, but Mary had a little lamb was right there. Where'd that come from? But at the end, kind of got back on track, got back on track, and just... I don't, I don't know if this meant anything to you, but if you'd like to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, like to pray, and all of them, raise your hand. Right there in the middle of this plaza, full of hundreds of people, the most least likely people out there, and it took me a few minutes and stuff, but they gave the, I know that's not just easy for, I'm not even talking about that. Because I think when we think of evangelism, that's a big turnoff for us, so I just can't go do that. Just live your life as the fruit of righteousness out there. 
And then be there to give an answer, which is the other part of he who wins souls is wise, and we'll get to it in a moment. Um, last week, we had an illustration. If you weren't here, go back and watch it. About taking responsibility, serving for people around us. If you'll remember, we saw two times in scripture where a water basin was used and they were, they're connected and Jesus had a water basin when the night before he was taken and then was led to his crucifixion, he, he washed the feet of his disciples and then a, a short while later, hours later, he was standing in front of Pontius Pilate, the, the Roman governor of Judea and, and he gets the same, uh, well, not the same, he gets a water basin out and washes his hands of responsibility. I, I don't know if you'll remember that, but, but I was thinking about this uh, last night and I was thinking like, this is how we're walking around. We're out there, we're doing ministry out there. We're walking around our everyday life. And let me just say, security team, I'm sorry. No, we're not supposed to have backpacks, but so forgive me here, but I need to illustrate something. But this is us walking around. And in any moment, we come to a place that this is, this is, how, we, this is how we carry. This should be our normal equipment that we carry with us everywhere we go. And, and here's this thought, because I'm thinking back through, I'm processing through the illustration from the Sunday before, and I'm in my office at my house, and, and, and in this, it's, it's at night, and I'm just like, okay, this has risen up in my heart, and the context of what we're talking about today, and, and I thought for a second, I thought, maybe we need to understand that washing the feet of people around us, taking responsibility for them, is not just for their needs in the moment. Yes, we need to, if they're hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. If they're naked, give them clothes. The, the Bible says it, absolutely. But maybe we're missing that in that moment. We take responsibility for their eternity. I mean, because I'm, I'm more apt to go and help buy a meal for someone, I, and in a second I'll come and, and give them a box of food, but what about their eternity? Where are they going to spend that? And I'm talking about the people in my life and, and the opportunities that are out there, and I thought, I, I thought with this, is this a picture? Jesus was taking responsibility, not for just them in the moment, but for their eternity, and I thought, oh, Lord, let me take responsibility for their eternity, not, not just feed them, not just clothe them, and we need to do that. What about the people in your life? Where you work, neighborhood that you live in, school that you go to, people on your ball team. And you would jump up in a second and you would, you would help them with something if they needed something and they didn't have enough to put gas in their car. You'd be, hey, let me follow you to the gas. But what about where they're going to spend eternity? And that's not just what happens in here. That's what happens out there because this is why we carry it around. And then I thought for a moment, and maybe you could help me with this because I'm still just vulnerably processing it with you right now. And, and maybe I thought for a moment, and, and maybe, maybe if we don't, we're, we're washing our hands, absolving, our, absolving ourselves from the responsibility, but we think in the moment, maybe it's we're trying to absolve ourselves, or maybe what we're doing is absolving ourselves from the responsibility for their eternity. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I know for me, I feel responsibility not just for the needs in the moment, but for their soul. Where will they spend heaven or hell? When I have, within me, I may not have money to give them to help them in their moment, but I know the one who can meet their need and get them to heaven. And maybe that is even more important sometimes. I know the other leads to that, and I'm thankful for it, and you're so generous. I love that. But what about the responsibility of other people's eternity that are 57% are never going to come here? We, we, we can't do this. 
We can't do this. We can't do this and just simply, and, and not, not simply, we can't do this and just celebrate what God is doing here. But what does God want to do out there? I don't know. Maybe that's just me. So last night, 9.56, I wrote it in my notes. 9.56 p.m. I was sitting in my office outside of my house. And this just landed on me. And it wrecked me. Because I was thinking about that right there, that right there. I was thinking back um, last week, and, and I was just, I've been struggling and wrestling with this message for days. And I'm, I'm like, it's just, I'm, I'm not listening. I'm not yielding, whatever it is. Help me, help me process this out of my heart, God. I need to bring something here tomorrow. And, and, and this started rolling around in me and taking responsibility out of Proverbs 11.30. And, and then I thought about, and then in that moment, after taking responsibility for people's eternity, I thought, okay, well, last week we celebrated, last two weeks, 71,485 people given their life to Christ last year in and through this ministry. And I thought, man, that's awesome. And that is awesome. It's incredible. There'll be people from all over the world coming up to you because you gave, you prayed, you sowed, you served. And I thought, 2,195 through our services here. And if you remember back, we emphasize through the services the Tree of Life. And then I thought, Did I lead any one of them to Christ? Did I walk around out there? Did H-E-B, Atlanta Park, did I, did I walk around out there? I mean, that's awesome what, what happened here. It's amazing, and thank God for that. But did I, did I do, did I lead one, did I lead one out there? The answer is no. If I could just be completely honest. The answer for me is no. But this year, you better believe I'm going to. You better believe. I'm going to reach out to people. I don't, I don't want to belittle what we've just celebrated the last two weeks because it's incredibly amazing. But then I thought, as so I was just like, forgive me, God, forgive me. And he just lovingly just loves me, and it's okay. But this year, I thought 2,195 people, I don't know if you know this or not, but over the course of a month, we'll minister to different people, we'll minister to not a cumulative number, but we realistically have 22 to 2,400 people that call this place home every month. And I thought this then, I thought in light of that, I thought if every one of us commits to sharing the gospel with somebody, can you think, we can meet all last year's number in one month or one week out there. There's more than enough people that call this place home if we all just commit to this is the year I'm going to lead somebody to Christ. If we all commit that this is the year, I'm going to take responsibility for the eternity of the souls of the people God has put in my life because the church doesn't have a relationship with them. You do. It's easy to bring them here, invite them here, and then say, okay, you have, but the church doesn't have a relationship. You do. There's something more that God wants to use you for. And I just was 
9.56, wrote it in my notes, and I just wept. This year, though, this year, this is the year. If we will go all in, if we will all commit. We, we talked about this over the last few weeks. If we'll give, us a, give, give, a, give a year, come, come for a year and go all in and oh, let's go all in and being a tree of life out there. And, and the other half of that, and he who wins souls is wise. I've always contemplated that. I've, I've looked it up a lot. And what does that mean? It's wise to win souls. And yeah, absolutely. It's the whole purpose of Jesus coming. It's the whole reason why we're on the planet. And, and he who wins souls is wise. Yeah, it's the smart thing to do. I mean, I've taught all that. I've used all that. But can I just say for one moment, it lands on me different now. Because if the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, that means other people are attracted to who you are and what God is doing in your life. That's the whole point. And then when you come up to people, because here's the problem with our evangelism, if you will, here's the problem. We're afraid somebody's going to ask us something we don't have an answer to. So rather than going a lot of times, well, it's the truth. Me too. Me too. Well, number one problem is we just don't like people sometimes. The number two problem is, the number two problem is we're afraid they're going to, and they probably will. Because who has all the answers? but we know where to go to get them. So if you are gonna be a tree of life to a lost and hurting world, and you're gonna go take responsibility for the eternity of the people that God put in your life, and you will come and give time to them, and you will help them, and you will serve them, and you'll be generous with who you are and what you have, and you'll give them their opportunity, they are probably gonna ask you something that you cannot answer. I don't know why your loved one died. I don't know why they got cancer. I don't know why they got divorced. I don't know why they left you. I don't know why they beat you. I don't know why they ran away. I don't know why they're addicted to drugs. I don't know why, but I'm going to go ask God. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't have an answer why you've been believing to be healed and you're not yet. I don't, ha I don't know, but I'm going to go ask God. And then there's our responsibility to go and get in the word of God. What does the word say? And then ask the Holy Spirit. That's why you got to keep building your relationship with him. Holy Spirit, what do I say to this person? And you spend time in prayer because it's beyond you and you need to hear his voice, not your voice, or not even the voice of this world. The voice of experts sometimes. You need to hear the voice of God. And then you come back to him and Here's what I felt the Lord just said, or I'm still going to pray. I'm still going to stand. I, I don't know. You know what happens? Every time you go and ask God and come back, you're wiser. Every time you go and get into the word of God to find some relief or an answer for someone who's hurting, and you find as the Holy Spirit leads it to you and the scripture speaks to you, you go back wiser. He who wins souls is wise is because every time they're in a situation they do not have an answer, they go get one from the Word of God, from the Spirit of God, from the Holy Spirit, and they come back wiser. You will not grow or learn some things about God and His Word and who He is until you step out and try and share them with somebody else. The people that are wise are the people that are out there just letting their life be read by others in a way that they'll respond and ask them, how come 
you're calm in the midst of the storm? How come it seems like your, your faith is strong? I can't even contemplate it. How come it seems like God's answering your prayers and, and it doesn't seem like mine are getting anywhere? How come, how come? And every time you go to the Lord, you come back knowing more about who he is. There's some wisdom we'll never walk in if we're not willing to go and try and win souls. That's what I believe that scripture says. And you can imagine as the founding scripture, everybody says, how many times I've read that, contemplated it, taught it. Oh, it's different to me now. It's different to me now. Not because I've been or we've been in a bad place, but because I think God's getting us ready for more. Will you give them this year? Will you give them all that you are in generosity? Will you make the most and maximize the opportunity? And when you do that, you'll fulfill your destiny. And the destiny for all of us that call this place home is to be a tree of life to a lost and hurting world. So we got to live our life in a way that the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit is produced so people will want what we have and that we can have an answer for what they're seeking. Amen. God is a good and faithful God. I wanted to just share my heart with you today. I want to read one passage of Scripture. I'm just going to read it this morning, and you can go through it on the live notes. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. This is the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul has come to a place now. He is living for God and wants to be used by him. And here's what he writes, message paraphrase. Listen to the words. Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily became, become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message. I didn't want to just talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. I want to be in on it. I don't want to just gather week after week and talk about it. I want to be in on it. And I want to lead a group of people in a church that are not content just to sit and talk about it. I want to lead a group of people that want to be in on it. That are willing to go out there where they live, as Paul said. That are willing to take on all forms of servanthood to reach him, as Paul said. But yet, not losing who he is in Christ. Even though he's in their world, he's not of their world. He still knows who he is. And he won't compromise that for the sake of getting into their world. That's what I believe this next season for Tree of Life is. And I want you to come along with us. And this year, I'm asking each one reach one. You got a whole year. Let's make this year, for some of us, many of us, this will be the first time we ever led somebody to Jesus. And then it'll be the best thing that ever happened to you. But this is the year. This is the year.
because the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he who wins souls is wise. Thanks again for joining us this week. We pray that this message encouraged and inspired you. If you want to find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.